Welcome to the Sales Development Podcast, your trusted resource for the latest strategies, tactics, and tips on running a high-performance sales development program. Sales development has grown to become a critical part of the success of high-growth companies, and we dive in each week on how to specifically make your program successful and accelerate your career advancement. Subscribe at iTunes, YouTube, and jump on the newsletter over at 10pound.com to make sure you never miss an episode. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I'm your host, David Delaney. I am joined today by my guest, Martin Lewis, founder and partner at Market Partners and the author of How Customers Buy and Why They Don't, Mapping and Managing the Buyer Journey DNA. So I am very excited to dive into this. Martin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, David, and I'm excited to be here and talking with you. I'm super excited to dive into this. I was given this recommendation from Ray Reich, so I, I want to give a shout out to Ray Reich at RevOps Squared. Martin, tell us about your background in, in going into starting Market Partners and what brought you to write the book. Well, it's a long story, but I'll make it short. I've been in sales for a very long time and my passion is selling. I've managed teams in startups, large organizations. My final job as a CEO, I had 700 salespeople working for me. So the art and science of sales is something that I find really, really intriguing. And it's so fascinating that some people get it so right and some people work so hard and yet fail to get results. So I was kind of a very big believer in, in, in sales process in a way of let's finding out what does work and let's duplicate that as fast and as wide as possible. So that was my career. And then 20 years ago, I decided I'd like to do something for myself. So I started Market Partners with a vision of doing exactly that and helping companies. Well, thankfully, 17 years ago, one of my early clients asked me to not just look at their sales force, but look at their customers. He said, just don't just interview our salespeople, go and interview our customers. So kind of <laughs> a revolutionary and very straightforward idea. Let's talk to the buyers. So we talked to, this is 17 years ago, we talked to that company's buyers. And what we discovered was really quite amazing. We discovered that they're not buying the way that, that we thought they would or should. We found that they were getting hung up on all sorts of things we hadn't thought about. And we discovered many things from the buying perspective that we had been blind to. So that started us down a road of always talking to our customers' customers. We have now talked to over 2,500 buyers across 1,700 different organizations, and we found some very, very big stuff that kind of has been an epiphany, epiphany to me about how buyers buy. So that led us really to this whole idea of studying how buyers buy to really understand then how we can best sell. And about three years ago, we realized we had a lot of IP. We realized we had a lot of kind of notions, ideas that we put together in the book. And I kind of felt that after many years of selling, pulling all this together in an idea that is fairly unique, I think, and very now tested. We've worked with 200 organizations that have used these approaches and we've seen the difference it can make. So kind of that's the long story short, David. That's amazing. Okay. It's interesting because we always talk about the sales process, right? Which is very internal oriented, but you went out and talked to the buyers and, and started to dive in there. So as you were, <laughs> it's crazy that we don't, that's not just a natural thing, but you know, here, here we are. 
Now, so as you were talking to them, what were the signals that you were picking up and, and how did it change your thought process on the sales process? Well, you know, it occurred over a number of years. It didn't all of a sudden kind of just go, wow, we've got to sell differently. It occurred the more we were looking at buyers and looking at how they buy, we realized that the notion of, as you say, an internal sales process is sadly outdated because the big because is buyers are buying very differently today than they did 10, 20 years ago. It doesn't matter who's buying what. It doesn't matter if you're buying a multi-million dollar capital asset or if you're, if you're buying a camera for your personal use. It doesn't matter who's buying, what's buying, being bought. Buyers are buying differently. And that's thanks to a number of things. Number one on the list, of course, is technology. We can now do all the kind of research we want. We can reach out thanks to technology and talk to people like us. We can find out what people like us are doing, what they're recommending, what's happened. So things have changed dramatically. In fact, one way of looking at it is buyers have detached themselves from salespeople. When I started selling in the 80s, my customers, my prospects had to wait for me. They couldn't get product information any other way than me presenting it to them. They couldn't get pricing information any other way than me presenting it to them. They couldn't get demonstrations. They couldn't get more information in any other way than talking to me, the salesperson. That meant that I was controlling things as a salesperson. That's where sales process, the traditional steps of a sales process come from. Today, buyers don't buy that way. Buyers get more than 50% of the way through their entire buying journey before they even talk to a salesperson. Often they've decided what they're going to do. They've decided how much they're going to spend. They decide all their kind of directions based on the research they've done before they even talk to a salesperson. So one of the big things that has changed is technology and buyers are buying very differently. So therefore we've got to sell differently. Okay, so you sort of lay it out in the book as the buyer journey DNA, if you will. And so is that how you kind of structure the way that we should be dealing with this? Or you know, tell us about what should we be doing differently now with this advent of technology? Yeah, that's exactly right. I had these series of epiphanies by talking to all these buyers. The first one was that buyers are buying very differently. They're not waiting for a sales rep to knock on their door with another idea. They're overwhelmed with salespeople knocking on their door with, with good ideas. So the first thing was buyers are buying very different. The second thing that we found is that within a particular market, buyers buy in a remarkably similar way. That's what we call the DNA. It's like the, the fingerprint of a marketplace. In fact, we now define a market that way. We define a market is a series of buyers that buy in a similar way. What do I mean by a similar way? That's the DNA. It means that they're buying for a similar reason, that they're going to engage in similar activities. They're going to do different things. They're going to be looking for similar things, and they're going to get hung up. Their anxieties, their concerns are going to be similar. So if you can decode, and this is what it all comes down to, if you can decode the DNA of your market, you can predict how they're going to buy. You can predict who's going to get involved. You can predict what they're going to do. You can predict what concerns and anxieties they're going to have. You can map that out. If you can map it out, you can manage it. You can help them navigate their buying journey. And this is this whole what we call outside-in approach. Instead of trying to drag a customer through your sales process, you are actually helping to navigate the customer through their buying journey. You're helping them determine what they should be doing. You're helping them over their anxieties, their concerns. You're, you're showing them how they should buy. You're leading them in their buying journey. That's the new selling approach. 
Wow. It sounds like you're more of a therapist than a salesperson. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. It's, It's difficult though, because one of the things, and one of the things I really highlight is that what stops people buying is their concerns. That their concern is, it's a priority for me right now. If I do this, what else does it mean I have to do? Is the timing right? Who else do I need to get involved? The list of concerns goes on and on and on. The really startling thing is that salespeople only tend to address less than 10% of those concerns. Now, salespeople, and I include myself in this, are optimistic. We hope that this customer isn't going to worry about the funding, the implementation plan, whatever it may be. We're hoping that this is the customer that isn't going to get concerned about it. You know what? They are. They just, not, they just may not share it with you. So the best way to handle this is to actually bring it up proactively and manage them through that process. I don't really think it's therapy, but if you want to think of it that way, yes. But what it means is you're taking down the barriers. So for instance, I use a very, very simple, almost superficial example. If it requires a lot of capital to invest in your particular offering, then they maybe have a concern about where that capital is coming from. So you can offer a leasing or rental option. Like I said, it's a very, very simple example, but it shows that what you're doing is you know that they could be concerned about capital. And so you are giving them an answer to that. You're flattening the concerns. The concerns could come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, but the idea is to mitigate and manage them proactively. Wow. Okay. And so there's a therapy aspect of it, but it's more leadership in in the role and knowing what they're going through prior to starting the sales process. Because I feel like the usual sales process that we have now is someone will do a ton of research. Maybe, I mean, they, some people say 60, 70% of the research, they winnow it down to two or three vendors. Then they take a call with the salesperson. Salesperson shows a bunch of slides, does 90% of the talking, and and they they get the happy years, right, that you mentioned. They're happy. Everything's great. You know, they put it in the pipeline, and then they start pestering the person saying, hey, where's the contract, right? (laughs) It's like, that's why it's, you said only 10% of those concerns are addressed. How do we get how do we change this? How do we get to the 90% so we can start digging some of that out? Well, you know, stop talking, start listening. It's a, a simple way to put okay. it. The good news, the good news is that if you're a salesperson, you have seen people buying your product many, many times, which is what helps you decode the buying journey. You know what they're going to do. You know what the best practices are. You know where the hurdles are. Your buyer may be buying this for the first time. So you've got all this inherent knowledge about how they should be buying. And we don't share that. What we do is, as you say, we go on hammering away at our product, how great our product is, the ROI, the value of the product. That is not what the customer needs or wants. They know that. They wouldn't be talking to you if they didn't think you had a good product. They wouldn't be talking to you if they didn't know that you could create value for them. So that is where we're really at odds. We're 180 degrees away from what we should be doing. So in those kind of calls, we should be asking the customer, where they are with their overall or, or process. And we should be helping them. We should be asking them what concerns they have. We should be asking them what do they have to do. And we should be providing some advice to them on how to do those things. So it's really this outside in. Stop pushing our product at them and start working with them in terms of what, where they are in their process, what they've got to do, 
and how we can help. And so there's a project man. It's almost like a, there's a project management. I'm sorry, I keep throwing out these <laughs> random <laughs> jobs, but now you're a therapist. You're also sort of a project manager because you've mapped out the concerns that they, they have based on your research. And now it's like, okay, I'm going to make things really clear and transparent through this on how we're going to address those concerns. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've actually had some of our clients map out the buying journey and share it with clients and say, well, look, here's what we think you have to do. Here are the people you have to get on side. Here's the things you have to think about. Here's the things you'll have to deal with. How far through that are you and where can I help you? So we've actually had people map it out almost like a project plan. Exactly. And so if someone's thinking, okay, we need to start doing this immediately. First, they get the book. And then how do they start with the research on the clients that they have and putting themselves, you, you talked about a four quadrant diagram in the book, but how do they start to research this so they, they can start to learn about their buyer's journey? It's a great question. And it's a really simple answer that may sound trite, but believe me, it works. Ask people. There's <laughs> nothing better than going to somebody who's bought from you and asking them, saying, you know, I really enjoyed working with you. Could you just tell me kind of what led you through the process? Could you tell me, we, we use the word, the story. Could you tell me the story? Where did it start? Where did it really start? Where did you first think you would be acquiring this? And tell me what happened. What, who got involved? Uh, what were the agendas? What were your thoughts? What were your considerations? What were your priorities? What were your concerns? And it's amazing. Most people would rather talk than listen. They're going to tell you. They're going to tell you that, that if you can show them that you are authentic and really wanting to understand that, they're going to share that with you. And you ask half a dozen, you're going to hear a similar story. That's the DNA. You're going to hear people say, well, we were concerned about this. You're going to hear people saying, well, we had to get this particular role involved. If you're selling into healthcare, we had to get infection control involved. We had to get purchasing involved. Whoever it may be, they're going to tell you. And like I said, you ask half a dozen of them, and they go, you're going to hear a similar story. You, get, you just got to do the legwork and, and get on the phone with the folks. I think it's fun. If you don't... If you don't enjoy talking to your customers, you've got a problem. And I think the real challenge is listening. So stop talking about how great your product is and listen. So that's the challenge, really listening. That's interesting too, because so when you get past in the research stage, if you, if you lay the groundwork that, hey, I'm, I just want to do a research call with you. We're not selling anything. I'd like to hear about your journey. Then, you know, they, they come in with that expectation. What about when you're, it's maybe the first discovery call with a new prospect who, you know, requested a demo and they've done a lot of the work. It seems like there's a fine balance because they get on and they just want, just give me the, you know, give me the details. Like, let's dive in, you know, but you're kind of, you need to ask all these questions to dig in and understand where they are in the process. How do you balance that sort of situation on a newer call? That is such a great point, David, because People are preconditioned that salespeople are going to do the demo. They're going to do the presentation. They're yes. going to do the sales page. Yes. People are expecting that. So what, what we try and do is, is get out of that mode as quickly as possible. Let me share some ideas with you. The first one is say, well, you know, before we do a demonstration or before I, I kind of go into presentation mode here, um, I don't want to waste your time. So I'd really like to understand what's important to you. Where are you? What do you already know? What would be important for you to find out? Just that, what was that, 30 seconds, 20 seconds? 
and then shut up. And if people say, well, that's great, but I'd just like to see the demo. <laughs> if you're picking up on that, then, then I think you have to give something. So we always train people that be ready to give a point of view, be ready to give a four or five minute overview, right? So you, you, you've got to give in that case. So be ready to give, but do not give a 20 minute pitch. Do not give a 20 minute demonstration. Give your point of view, set the frame, share with them what's special about what you're offering, share with them how you can make them successful. Then go back into the question mode. The killer question that I love in most cases is how do you see using this in your organization? And if they go, well, I'm not really sure, then they're not probably in a buying journey. But if they say, well, we're going to use it in this way because of whatever, then you know you have a buyer who's in a buying journey and you've got them talking. So then you say, well, tell me more about that. Where are you in your, your process? What concerns do you have? What alternatives are you looking at? What are the most important things for you? Those are the questions you should have at the top of your mind every time. And then listen. They'll say, well, you know, there's several priorities. Don't move on. Say, well, I'd love it if you could share some with me. Well, it's really important that we save money. What other areas are you looking at? Keep that conversation going till you've got them talking and they will talk. 98% of people are going to be happy to talk. I think one of the most important skills is being almost an interviewer, you know, letting them flesh out their ideas and then digging in more so that you can really see where those concerns are. You know, that's how you get power. That's how you get control. You don't get power or control by doing a presentation or a pitch, right? You give up power and control. You get power and control in any sales situation by listening and understanding. 100%. And it's even harder these days with everything being on Zoom. You know, as soon as, as soon as you start blabbering on about your product and all the bells and whistles, the person's probably just clicked off and reading the newspaper or something. <laughs> so you, you got to engage, right? <laughs> yeah. Zoom and this kind of stuff, it's a cure that you just don't get into that presentation mode. Don't get into more than two or three PowerPoint slides. Yes, as I said, you've got to give. So you've got to be able to say, here's what this is distinctive about what I'm offering. Here's what's special about what I'm offering. This is what, how we see things, how we can make you successful. But then how do you see using this in your organization? What's brought you to this today? And then you smile and you look at the camera if you're on Zoom, right? So you're cueing them to talk. So I will often, when I'm on Zoom, I'll hold a pen or a pencil. And then when people see that I put that down, I look at the camera and smile. That's a cue for them to talk, right? So you can use body language on Zoom. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, and, you know, it's kind of hard to see the camera, you know, and so I put a little tag on my computer that says, look here, you know, so that you can make that eye contact. Otherwise, who knows what the, yeah. Yeah, you're quite right. I've actually got, I bought kind of a, I don't know what you call it, a swan neck, I guess, that I can put my camera right beside my screen, not above it, not below it, but right beside it. And then I move the window with the, or the video right by the camera. So if I'm looking at somebody's video, I'm looking almost at the camera. Yeah, you've got to engage. Otherwise, it's just the attention Hopefully. span. Yeah, I mean, people's attention span is, is being reduced dramatically. The other thing, and I know we're kind of a little off topic, but it's all about finding out about the buyer. Send them the questions before the call. 
Tell them, I think it would be very useful if we discuss these things on the call. So prepare them. I'd love to hear your background. I'd like to hear what your priorities are. I'd like to hear what your concerns are. I'd like to hear what the next steps are. Whatever. But find out about them and their situation. 100% make it all about them. It's amazing how many of these come through without any agenda at all. There's no agenda for the call. It's just a Zoom link in a calendar invite. And so as, you're, as a busy executive, you're going through your day and you're like, what is this? <laughs> I don't even remember put, putting this on my calendar. I think that you see that a lot. People just delete a calendar invite you know, without even telling the salesperson. Yeah. We, we use a calendaring app where we actually get people to provide us input before a call. So we'll ask questions like, what would be the most valuable things for us to discuss during this call? We'll put that actually in the calendaring invite. So when somebody sets up a call, they have the opportunity to provide us with that input. Mm, so smart. Okay. So you've got sort of a form in the app already to get them involved. Yeah. That's an app called Calendly. And when yes. people set up a meeting, you can ask some questions and that comes back to you. So everyone's prepared. I love it. And then, you know, looking at the buyer journey, have you ever thought about it from a marketing perspective? So if you take it up a level from the sales process, it seems like there's a lot of applicability to, you know, more of the mass message that you put out from a marketing perspective, because a lot of marketing is just, hey, look at us, we won an award on Gartner. And, you know, we're, we're so great. You know, that's 90% of the stuff that you see out there. Yeah, you're so right. And the answer is yes, we have thought about it. because It's really important. We run workshops called precision marketing, which is when you've decoded the buying journey, when you know what a customer is going to go through on their entire end-to-end buying journey, you know who's going to get involved, what they value, and what their concerns are, you can start to do precision marketing. What messages should you be getting to whom and when? And then, and how? What vehicle would you use? So we, we call that precision marketing because you are, you are precisely targeting the right messaging, the right campaigns, the right initiatives to a particular role at a particular time in their buying journey through a particular vehicle. And one thing that is very, very important to understand is that most marketing that is talking about the product, again, is going up the wrong tree. The thing that stops people buying is their concerns that we find that in today's world, it's more important to market to why somebody wouldn't buy than why they should. Most people know why they should buy something. They wouldn't be interested if they didn't know that. And yet we continue to hammer away at marketing about why we've got such a great product. They know that. Where they're getting hung up, it's their concerns. So what we should be marketing to is blowing away, again, mitigating, managing, flattening the concerns in the buying journey. Interesting. Okay, so tell me more about that, why they wouldn't buy. And so when you, when you say why they wouldn't buy is, is the concerns that they have. So they know it's a great product. They know that you won an award on Gartner. Great, great. It, everything works great. But I have all these concerns, you know, internally, and that's what's holding me back. Okay. Exactly correct. And that's what people fail to understand, that people are not not buying. I know that's a double negative, but it's not because they don't understand your product. It's not because they don't believe in your product. It's because they've got some concern. They've got concern that if I buy this product, it means that I'm going to have to retrain everybody. 
if I go with this service, it means I've got to fire the person that's been doing it for me up to now. Whatever it is, those are the concerns. If we buy this product, it means we have to change the way we work. Those are the concerns that people have. That's what stops people buying. It's not they don't believe in your product. It's they have a concern. And that is where we market to. So we market to address those concerns that either maybe let's take the one that if, if I'm buying your product, I'm going to have to train people on it. Then let's market how simple it is to train people. Let's market that we've got free training programs. And let's market case studies on how people have able to, been able to implement this so very simply. So it's marketing not about how great your product is. It's marketing deliberately aimed at what the issues are that are stopping people from buying. Mm, that's so interesting. Okay. So, and just so you know, this is all listed out in the book. It's very well detailed. I highly recommend getting this. Martin, thank you so much for coming and sharing this information. If folks want to get in touch with you, uh, talk about some of the programs you do at the company, what's the best way to get in touch? David, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Get in touch with me. My email is mlewis, that's M as in Martin, L-E-W-I-S, at market-partners.com. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn, so I can be found either way. Excellent. We're connecting right now. Martin, thank you so much for coming on this because I actually have a lot of homework now I've got to do based on our conversation, but it makes perfect sense. And I think everyone, whether you're a marketer or salesperson, read this, implement this, you're going to have much greater success. So Martin, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, David. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum, 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.